destroy our view. I just knew I was going for the purpose of building a real relationship with God. It's about who is God, who has God created you to be. I can tell you that you're going to be changed completely. There's a lot of people out there that don't think you can hear God, but actually God wants to communicate with you. It's helped me to know who God is more, not just to go to church and just to live life, but to actually have a relationship with Him. It's about becoming Jesus' disciple. You should give up everything that you had in your mind before. You're brought into an atmosphere that is so community-driven. They're like my sisters and my brothers. There's constant times of just being able to challenge each other. Why did I come to Haiti? Why waste your time on Haiti, Tiffany? I believe that if you want to know God, you've got to go to a place where you need God. You will have a different view how people live all around the world. I need to know Jesus come to die for us. You don't just get to learn who you are in Christ, but you actually get to go out there and put it into practice. So we don't know where we're going or what we're doing. We don't know who we're ministering to or who we're ministering with. We don't know. We truly rely on the Holy Spirit to make a plan for us. Maybe you go to church or you follow rules or you feel like it's an obligation. But when you have a relationship with God, it's something you love to do. I start to understand the Bible more and then I start to working in it. If you're going to be a light for something different, then it's going to be tough. You just constantly are having to trust the Lord. The food you eat, where you get to sleep. People are laughing at you while you're trying to work or you're trying to help them. You're not only living God inside of a classroom, you're living God every single day of your life. Oh crap. <laughs>
my son, who was also in the video, my oldest son, is uh, right up there. Right next to my wife is Elizabeth, and she actually is the founder and leader of those youth camps. She works with us there in Haiti. And then after, uh, right next to Wayne is Keturah, his wife. They have three children, but they just adopted another one two weeks ago. So it's really exciting. And so right next to him is Wilna. That's my adopted daughter. I don't know. She kind of looks like me, no? But anyway, uh, Ethan is right next to her, and she's 16, or he's 16. On the other side next to me, on the left side of me, is Christian. And Christian's been here and spoke, and just so you know, he just got a contract with the national television station of Haiti to do his broadcast. He was already reaching $4 million, but his audience just doubled now. And uh, it, not only that, that, that station uh, broadcasts to other nations as well. But his broadcast teaches basic uh, Christian values and principles through comical ways and different things like that. And then we also have Samuel. Samuel just returned from Bible school. He already did his DTS, but he did another Bible school, and now he's back, and he feels God calls him, has called him to impact Haiti and the next youth by biblical training. So it's been really exciting. That's my family. Also, I have my book out back. If, if uh, any of you didn't know, I actually got a book. It talks about all the incredible stories. It's a fun read. Donation, $10, or whatever you can do. So we re- if you really want the book, get it. Um, I want to show you a video. Now, there's many things, as I, I just mentioned, that we're doing in Haiti, just so you know. And you guys are all part of that because you're behind us. But there's also uh, uh, something special that's been happening this past year. In October, this project that, that I'm fixing to show you on the video began. When you watch the video, keep an eye on the date because what we've done is in 10 months. This all happened within 10 months, so you understand. So go ahead and roll that video. Today I've been sitting here talking with the men of Balale, and the only thing they say are keeping them from prospering right now is being able to work their fields. But the real tragedy in, in our discussion that we're talking about is the water is less than a mile away. So we're talking about 10 to 15 feet lift of the river water to push it into this already existing canal. I've already located a tractor and a pump and we can pump enough water to fill one acre of land in just 55 minutes on one gallon of diesel fuel. Today we're here because God has done a great thing. This water is going out to all the canals, filling 900 acres. But this project is not over. We have something more that has to be done. Okay, everyone, right now I am standing in front of where the moulin, or what we call the mill in English, is going to be built approximately 22,000 sacks of rice brought right here to a mill to be sorted, to be prepared for market. Hello everyone, this is Terry Snow. It's August 16th. I'm here with my wife, Ingville. We have come out here to deliver the mill. The mill is the actual machine that will take and shell the rice and polish it. What do you think about this thing, Bill? 
It is just amazing what God has done out here. I saw the seedlings come up in the beginning, but then I haven't been out here ever since. We've been running camps at the, at the campus, and so I haven't had a chance, and it is just something else. This place is transformed from desert to oasis. By the support of so many people out there, we've been able now to get the Moulin structure up. It will be finished Wednesday or Thursday, the actual structure, and today we're delivering the equipment. This is the biggest meal that is in this whole fifth section of St. Mark. On top of that, today, we now have this, this room established inside the Moulin that's gonna be receiving the rice. Now this rice that we're first receiving is payment for the tractor and the pump. People are actually coming, coming with their rices as planned, as asked coming, surrendering their rice and saying this is for the continued work of the tractor. And already they've started planting new seedlings to get ready for our next harvest. Wow, God is on the move. We want to say thank you to God because without his help, without his inspiration, without his vision, this would never happen. God bless you and be encouraged. God is on the move. That's amazing, isn't it? That's God. And it was just 10 months ago. 10 months. You saw the beginning of that video, dry. They hadn't had any water for 10 months or for five years. By the time we got the pump there, it had actually been exactly five years since they had any kind of harvest or planting. Five years. They had been surviving on gathering little... Uh, dead branches and trees to make charcoal, catching little fish this big. We would call them minnows, but they were these really crappy. But they stunk. Anyway, they catch them, and then also they would uh, gather. They lived close to the sea, and they were able to make salt, sea salt, to sell. And that was it. That was it. That's all they had to live on. God is doing something. God is transforming this thing. And it was just amazing because in um, October, we put this out. And in December, we had received zero response, zero dollars. <laughs> I was out in Norway. Well, we had a family reunion there in December. And uh, I was going on a ski. We were skiing. And I was going up the ski lift. And I was just freezing and praying and, and freezing. And uh, I started praying in, about this thing. And I said, God, those are your people. This is your project. If you want it to die, die. Let it die. But if not, you've got to do something. And I'm not kidding you. Within 24 to 48 hours, all of a sudden, my Facebook lit up. And all of a sudden, somebody wrote, hey, how's that project going? I said, well, actually, I got $0. Well, I'll give five, 5000 I said, okay, praise God. And then all of a sudden, somebody said, hey, I'll give twenty. And then, to make a long story short, this was like Christmas, December, and in January 4th, we had $70,000 to pay cash for a brand new pump and a brand new tractor and all the shipping costs. It was all God. And then, as you saw up there, we started pumping in April. This is August. And the harvest is already coming in. They all, there's only six families left in that village that don't have a concrete home. They have their own church that they built. It was 90% voodoo practicing when we first came there. And now we just finished building the mill. And hold on, hold your chair. Conservative calculations based on the field's harvest they do two harvests a year they're in line to do three they're going to generate a half a million dollars in haiti that's a god thing i always say i wanted to go somewhere where only god can get the credit you just saw it let me show you this video from ingville A couple years 
ago I was praying and I was praying for Balale. We've been out here ministering for three, four years already and we just watched them change their ways. They had repented, they had started a church, uh, they hadn't had anything grow in their fields for years. And I, I was reminded of a scripture in 2 Chronicles 7 starting in verse 14 where it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So I laid this scripture before the Lord and I said, God, these people have not had a harvest for two, three, four years. And they have changed their ways. So Lord, it's time for you to come through and to be true to your word and to heal their land. So I began proclaiming this scripture over their village, over their lives, and over their land. And now look what God did. He answered. He answered. He is true to his word. He is faithful. He has healed their land. And this is just the beginning. God has done it. People, God has done it. And if you think different, if you went out there right now, you would see, if you're a bird watcher, I'd encourage you to go. We have so many birds. You should never see a bird out there because there was nothing there. Birds everywhere. They have so many birds, they have to sit the kids out in the fields and they used to haul buckets of water. Now they sit out in the field and clap their hands to shoo off the birds. They're all eating their rice. I remember when the water started coming. I never saw any animals out there. And when the water started coming, it started coming green. Almost it seemed like in 24 hours. <laughs> it just started turning green. And herds of goats appeared from nowhere. There's so much wildlife going on. And we got this pump and we started pumping. We had been pumping for six weeks. And after six weeks, you know what God did? He said, let me help. And he opened the heavens, and it poured down rain. And if you think that wasn't God, let me tell you this. It only rained on Balale. It was incredible. I'm not joking. I got this phone call. I was out of country. I got this phone call. I said, oh, it's raining. We haven't even had to use the pump now. It's just raining and raining. Oh, we got so much water. It's raining. And I said, okay, wonderful. I get back. I drive out there to see it, and it's dry as a bone. I'm like, what rain? Where? And I get into Balalay area, and all of a sudden, it's just a mud hole. And I said, what the stink? Everybody's sitting here dried out, waiting for water, and they're just lush. Water everywhere. And they gave all the glory to God. They gave the glory to God. God is answering these people's prayer who used to worship voodoo, Satan through voodoo. Now he's, they're worshiping God. One day we had a problem. Brand new tractor. This is what the devil will do. Brand new tractor. Auxiliary valve body started leaking on it. I always tell people, if I go to Walmart's to buy something, if it's going to Haiti, I'll get the broke one on the shelf every time. The devil helps that out. If it ain't broke, he'll break it on the way. But that's okay because God gives us those obstacles so he can show himself faithful. But God has something he wanted to do with the people because it's about people. It's not about a tractor. It's not about pump. It's about people. And I remember this thing started leaking, and I was so frustrated. I was doing everything I could. I called the called Mahindra, and Mahindra was just dragging their feet. And I said, I got people that got rice in the field, man. They're going to lose everything. Do you have any idea? Well, can you get me a part number? You know, and I said, I gave you the part number. Oh, well, can you tell me what year? I'm like, oh, my goodness. They were just molasses, you know, on a cold day. And I finally got so frustrated. I was out there, and I looked at Francisco, who's the leader of village, and he's also the deacon now of the church. And I said to him, I said, 
this is your gift from God. This is your tractor. This is your pump. If you want the devil to steal it, he'll steal it. It's up to you guys to start praying. It's up to you guys to figure out what to do about this. I'm done. And I left. I'm sure y'all never had a bad day. But I do. And I left. The next morning, I get this video through WhatsApp. Anybody ever heard of WhatsApp? It's just, it's just, it's crazy. Haitians have cell phones. You know? They have these little cell phones. And, and some guy got a video of this, and he sent it to me. And you know what? Francisco went back to the village and told the people, and the whole church come out. All these people showed up around the tractor, and this guy got this video of everybody around the tractor, and they were just praying. God, intervene. We're not going to let the devil take our tractor. God, we want you to move. The tractor started. It's it, The leak slowed all the way down where they could use it again. And then all of a sudden, Mahindra started responding, and I got the party, and I fixed it in time, and it was just like, wow. What was that about? It was about God said, okay, Terry, I proved I'm faithful to you, but I want to prove myself faithful to them. And if that was the devil... He took what the devil meant for evil and flipped it for good. Amen? God is on the move. My wife is intercessor. She intercedes for me. She's praying. I'm listening. I'm doing. She's praying. Sometimes she's saying, oh, me. Sometimes I'm saying, oh, my. But we're a team. And you're a team. Everything you just saw is on your credit. Because you guys are, are, are sponsoring us. I need to find a new word because I feel like God's telling me these days that he wants a new thing to happen in his body. A unity. A oneness. Like we have never seen. I'm talking about a, a paradigm shift in how we operate. As the body of Christ. I'm not talking about just one church getting together for a football game or a softball game. I'm talking about churches coming together for the cause of Christ and working together in unity of faith. Is it possible? Jesus died for it. You guys, what you just saw on that screen wouldn't happen without you. Did you get that? It would not have happened. And you're just involved. Don't don't sit in the back seat as if you have nothing to do with it. You're just as involved. In John chapter 17, verse 11, it says, I will remain in the world no longer, Jesus said, but they are still in the world, and I am coming. To you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. So that they may be one as we are one. So that they may be one as we are one. It did not say, so that Alan may be one, that then that way we could go to church where he goes to church. So that they, you, so that we may be one. That was Jesus' prayer. One with God the way Jesus was one with the Father. That oneness. I can only do what I see my Father doing. That oneness. With what's going on in the world today, there's only one answer. Jesus revealed through our oneness. I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me. It's a true story. I was much younger. I think I was probably only 20, 21. I was down in El Salvador. This is before I got my call. Well, actually, I just got my call to Haiti, and YWAM asked me to go on an outreach with them to El Salvador for the purpose of training and equipping me to know what I need to do as a leader, as a pioneer of the work in Haiti. So I went down there, and as I was down there in El Salvador, we had the San Salvador earthquake. And it shook 
and people were devastated, buildings, homes, everybody was living in the streets. We were ministering night and day. And finally, we got a day off, and we all said, what do you want to do on our day off? Well, it's not like you go to McDonald's. It was collapsed, you know. Not that they had it anyway. I don't think they had it anyway. So there was nothing to do except go to the beach. So we go to the beach. We go on the Pacific side to go to the beach. And when we got over there, I'd never been to the Pacific Ocean. And we got over there. They had these Hawaii 5-0 waves. I have never seen so big a waves. I mean, I'm serious. You would look up at them. And they would just crash. And we were having a blast. We're a bunch of young people out on the beach. And we're having a, and we, we would make a whole line and link arms. And we would pretend we're standing against the gates of hell and the way would come down. And we were trying to, you know, we were just having fun. But one thing I didn't know anything about because I grew up in Granbury, Texas with Lake Granbury here. Riptides. Have you ever heard of riptides? For you who don't know what riptides are, they're scary. The unseen force. And we were all out there, none of us knew anything about riptides. Never even thought about it. And we're out here doing these waves, and one wave hit us and took us off the sandbar we were on and hit us in a riptide and took us all the way out in the ocean. And we were out there. I mean, all of a sudden I look back, I mean, just like that quick, all of a sudden I look back and the, the beach is like way away. And everybody's getting, and the waves are coming more fierce. And we're just out there and we're drowning. We're getting to where we're, hey, wait a minute. And everybody starts trying to swim back, but we can't get nowhere. Seems like we're getting further away. Well, back then I didn't have this life jacket. And I was a really good swimmer. Because I used to ski all the time. I did all this stuff in Granbury, you know. I, I counted myself a good swimmer. Why don't we have a swim team here? I mean, I was a good swimmer, and so I started swimming really hard. Hard I swam. I got about halfway back, and I was struggling. And then all of a sudden, this lifeguard came by. Is El Salvadorian. He came by, and he looked at me, and I knew he was a lifeguard. He had a white cap on and a green cross. And he's just, and he sees me, and he stops, and he looks at me, and he says in his broken English, are you okay? And I said, there's people dreading. No. <laughs> and he grabbed me, and he took me in, but he only took me part way, and somebody picked me up. He, they grabbed me, and when, after he got a hold of me, it felt like my arms went rubber. My legs were rubber. I mean, I was like, how in the world? I would have never made it. And I get, I'm thinking all the time, I said, there's like 20 of our YWAM team out there in the ocean. They're going to drown. And because, I mean, I was one of the best swimmers, and I was the only one. I was the first one to start heading back. And I barely, you know, and if it wasn't for this guy, I'd have died, and there's only one lifeguard. And I said, oh, no. You know, and I was thinking about that, and then they picked me up, and then they dropped me right at the edge of the beach, and then the waves came up, and I couldn't even lift myself up. And I said, great, now I'm going to drown in three inches of water. But then all of a sudden, believe it or not, of all the people who came pick me up, it was my wife, Ingville. We weren't married then. We weren't even dating then. She came and she picked me up. She pulled me up on the beach and she gave me fresh water and she revived me. And I said, but there's people out there. They're dying. And she's sitting there going, that's all right. They're, they're getting them. They're getting them. And I'm like, they're never going to get them. 20 people out there, one lifeguard. Do you know what happened? That lifeguard called about, I don't know how many, these little El Salvadorian kids, 10 to 12 years old. 10 to 12 years old. People that, they, what are these little kids doing around the beach? These kids were out there. And they swam all the way out there because they knew the tide. And they got out there under these y And You know what they did? The lifeguard told them, he says, you keep them afloat. And they would swim under our y and come up and push them up. After every wave, so that they could get refreshed and breath air. They stayed out there the whole time, pushing them up. That's all they did, just kept pushing them up. And the lifeguard knew the tide. He'd catch the riptide out, boom, he was there. He'd grab another one and swim sideways. Boom, the tide would take him in. He saved everyone, not one person drowned. And he would bring them in halfway. And when they got in halfway, these other people would come around and they would grab them. People from our own team and they would take them into the beach. And then somebody from the beach would take them on up to the, under the tree and they started getting them fresh water. After it was all over with, we got on the bus to go back to San Salvador, back to the earthquake. This was supposed to be our day off. 
Yeah, a day off. You ever had a day off like that? And I got, to be honest with you, I got on the bus and I was like, what was that about? God, can we even have a day off? The disciples did that too with Jesus. You remember that? <laughs> what uh, Right after John the Baptist was beheaded, they were all like, oh, this is terrible. Let's go to a solitary place. Good thinking, Jesus. Let's go. And, and all these people follow him, you know. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, wait, let's, let's, let's teach him. And he spends the whole day. Can you imagine? Lori's back there hoping I'm finishing in time in, in child care. But Jesus ended up teaching them all day long. And the disciples were like, where's this vacation? And then after the end of that, what did he say? He says, hey, you disciples, you feed them. You ever fed 5,000 people? 12 disciples feed 5,000 people. And you think you have it tough. Anyway, God did a great miracle, didn't he? But what God showed me in that El Salvador thing, he spoke to me all of a sudden. He says, Terry, I wanted you to see this is how my body is to work. He says, some of them know how to go out and get the people in the deep. Some of them know how to sustain those people out there until I can get to them. Some of them know how to bring them halfway. They can't bring them all the way. Some of them bring them halfway and drop them on the beach. And if they're left there, the ones on the beach will let them drown. But the ones on the beach don't. They come and get them. And they take them up under the tree and refresh them. And they come be revived again. That's the body of Christ in action. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, I want to stop right there because every time I read that as a young man, I thought, okay, I need to aspire to be an apostle, a prophet, a teacher, a pastor. That's not what the scripture is trying to say. The scripture's saying, this is what I've given you, all of us. So that what? Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What was that? That they may be one as we are one. They, they. No, no single person will have all the revelation. They will be one. That means I can reach Haitians, you might not. But because we're one, you're a part of that fruit. I would have drowned if my wife wouldn't have come and got me. Was she a part of saving me? Just as much as the guy with the green cross on his hat. Fourteen, then we will all we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. We are to be his example. We're always praying, Christ, reveal yourself. And he says, I'm trying to through you. Will you please cooperate? All creation obeys the voice of God. It's only man who resists it. <laughs> you ever think of that? He gave us free choice. The ducks fly when they're commanded. South, north. But tell a Texan to go to Haiti. Uh, what are you talking about, God? There's lost people here. Of course there is. But I want you in Haiti. I want you in Africa. I want you in Asia. I want you in Canada. I want you in Mexico. Just so you know, my 100 Sole intention to go to YWAM was to come back to Granbury and transform the city. But God said, great plan, but not mine. 
What plan do you have? But even more important, what's God's plan for you? It goes on, verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. You may be an unseen part, but the body can't work without you. It can't work without you. There's people that won't come, no offense, Alan, 10 feet close to Alan. But you can sit down and say, let's go to Taco Bell together and they'll listen. There's people that only you can reach. Why? Because Christ did something in you that allowed you to identify with them. And if you're sitting there waiting for some apostle, some pastor, some preacher, some teacher to come along and do your job, it will never happen because Christ is saying, I gave you everything, and only you can do it. I'll reveal myself. God is faithful. Did you hear what my wife said up there? She challenged God. She says, God. They've done their part. They repented. We did our part. We shared the gospel. Now you do your part. And he did. And that's called transformation. A desert to an oasis. A life that was dead to life again. That's what God, we've got to give room for God to just do it. We don't have to worry about, well, what if it doesn't happen? That's God's problem. We've got to be willing to lay down. We've got to do what God's told us to do, and we've got to lay it down to God and say, God, now it's your turn. You've got to be convinced that God desires to have you part of his body, not a spectator, a part. I want to share... In closing, something that I think is very crucial, it's very important to understand, especially in this day and time. If we go on, verse 17, it says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. Nobody wants to do that here, I hope. In the futility of your thinking, of their thinking. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And that's why I want to talk about hardening of their heart. People, I believe in this end time, there is an attack going on, and there's, it's not just physical. I think everybody here would say you feel like the church has been attacked. I, I, I just feel like, Man, what I remember the church used to be, I feel like the church has been just totally demoralized and and accused like never before. You know what it makes me do? It makes me want to... In Haiti, I'm out there working a lot of times, and I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm helping these people. And as I'm helping these people, one day, you know what I was doing? I was picking up trash in the city. Why? Because God said to. Why? Because God said, I want to communicate to them. What? God said that the trash in their street is a reflection of their house, but I want to clean it up. So I picked up the trash. As I was out picking up this trash one day, I mean, it was nasty trash. You guys don't know trash. You're trash, man. I could eat a meal on your trash. This trash is so bad, man. It burns your nostrils. You don't ever have to cut your nose hair when you're picking up trash in Haiti. They just shrivel up. I mean, this stuff is so bad that sometimes when I've come at it, I've had to come at it with a whole skid loader. A skid, you know what a skid loader? It's a little tractor at the front end loader. It's bigger. That as I approach it, I feel the heat. 
that it's generating from the ammonia and all that stuff as it's breaking down. I feel the heat. It's not like it's hot, not hot enough already. Can you imagine? When I back away, Haiti feels like air conditioning. I mean, that's how hot it gets. And the ammonia just singes your nose. And I was picking up this kind of trash. And this lady sat there, a substantial lady, sat there, not a skinny, tiny, hungry woman. A substantial lady was standing there. And she looked at me, and she started mocking me, and she started laughing at me. And she said, why are you doing that? Why don't you give me something to eat? Like, you really need it? And, and like, I mean, she said, won't you give me food? Won't you give me money? Why don't you do this? And she's just mocking me, mocking me, mocking me. And what do you think I, Terry Snow from Granbury, Texas, was thinking? Bless her, Lord. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm out of money. If I had it, I'd give it to you. No, I'm like, get behind me, Satan. I want to rip this lady's throat out. When you get your hands dirty with sharing the gospel and get involved, as the body of Christ should get involved, there's going to be challenges, and you're going to want to harden, and you're going to want to not forgive what Christ says, forgive. Have you ever thought about Jesus on the cross, dying on the cross for the sins of humanity, past, current, and future? And he looked over at a thief. I forgive you. Have you ever thought about Jesus? And how you come to him and you say, I've sinned. Forgive me. I forgive you. And I remember it no more. 24 hours later, uh, Jesus, I did it again. I forgive you. And I remember it no more. 24 hours later. Uh, Jesus, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm, y'all don't identify with that. It's just me. But anyway, I, I really struggle with that sometimes. You know, I'm sure y'all are okay. But what I'm amazed about Jesus with me is, is that he never grows hard. He never grows weary of forgiveness. But how often I struggle. You did that. You did that how many times now? My heart needs to always be for forgiveness. But yes, I do want to say, how can, we, how can I help you prevent you, from, prevent you from doing that again? But my heart is always forgiving. And to have a forgiving heart means you can't be hard. And that means you have to have a heart that is flesh and that is tender. That means be prepared to be offended and wounded and hurt on a daily basis. That's why in the Lord's Prayer Jesus gave us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sinned against us. Wow. Yeah, I'm talking about this is the real gospel here, folks. This is what it means to walk it out. You love Jesus? Prove it. Love those he loved and died for. Walk in forgiveness to them. Lay down your life for them. You know what? I'm going to close with this. When those YWAMers out there were drowning, nobody, El Salvadorian or American or Canadian or Norwegian or Mexican, there's more nationalities with us at that time too, nobody stopped to say, don't know if I have time. Nobody stopped to say, well, I might die if I go out there. Why? Because the reality and the revelation of the gravity of humans out there dying that were made in the image of Christ that we were called to love, even the heathen reacted. How much more compassion determination, and zeal must we have as the body of Christ to reach the lost, to have that kind of burden? Do we see that people are dying today and dying to eternal damnation simply because, not sure I have the resources. Yeah, I know I'm cutting deep. Yeah, I know I'm extreme, but we need it.
Because people are dying. We need people. You say, what do I have? Oh, I got to share this. Is it all right? Sorry, Lori in the back. It's 12 o'clock. Hang on. Just one more story. A team just came down this year from San Antonio, Texas, just in case you didn't think God couldn't use more Texans than Haiti besides myself. Just took that excuse away. She came down from San Antonio, Texas. They came down to build a house, a house, a duplex for two families. Before they left, they built two. (laughs) They were so moved at what God was doing there. So moved because these people who used to worship voodoo were sitting there saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. So moved to see the reality of a changed life and community. But this one lady, she was retired. She was there. And the first day she showed up and she said, Pastor made me come. And I said, really? He says, yeah, I didn't want to come. I said, well, thank you for your honesty. He says, he made me come. Because, I mean, it's not that I don't love these people or anything. It's just, what can I do to build a house? I can't do anything. I told him that. He wouldn't listen to me. He said, I had to come anyway. So I obeyed him because God said, listen to your pastor, so here I am. Do you think you have anything for me? And I looked at her and I said, what do you do? I said, I'm retired. I'm a grandmother. I said, no, what, what do you do in the church? So, well, I teach a Sunday school class. I said, what on? She said, evangelism. Oh, I said, I said, God sent you. And she looked at me and said, what? I said, I, we are moving, Valale is moving from mission field Commission force. And these people had just went out two months ago with another team. And I said, you need to start evangelizing with our teams. They went to another village. And they went to another village. You know what they did? They came to the door. And they said, hi, we are the people of God from Balale. Are you ready to repent? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> and the people were like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. Do you know Jesus? No, I don't know. Jesus is the son of God. He died for your sins. Are you ready to repent? And they're like, no, I don't even know what you... You need to repent or you're going to die and go to hell. You don't know if you'll live tomorrow. Are you ready to repent? And these people says, Terry, I think your Balale people, they have a good heart, but they need some training. And I was busy and I didn't have, I didn't have... I would have been like, I was kind of like that lifeguard. I was swimming out, getting the deep, but I didn't have time to take them all ashore. And so I told her, I said, would you teach them? She took these ladies, and the first day she gave them a lesson. It was a color thing that she did to share the gospel. Oh, they loved it. Then she took them out and said, let's do it. And while they were sharing, they would forget. And she said, no problem, no problem. And she would whisper to them how to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then they got, they got so excited. The next day, she, she did a thing with them where they could draw in the sand and share the gospel. Oh, they loved that one. They drew in the sand. And then they started winning people to Christ. And now this group continues to go door to door from Balale. 90% active voodoo. Repented. God blessing. Mission field to mission force. Isn't that incredible? Now, I was talking about unity, and I'm telling you all here, you have something to give, but the church of Balale has something to give too because we're a body. It's not us and them. Oh, those poor people. No, they can teach you things about God you don't know nothing about. They prayed and saw a tractor healed. They can tell you, God will sustain you when you have nothing. Can you do that? They can tell you how God liberated them from voodoo and witchcraft. Can you do that? They have something to give. And you have something to give. And what I want to do is, as I close here, is invite you. If God lays on your heart, 
maybe you should go down there and invest in them even in a greater way, not just through us. We need your help. I'll tell you right now, yeah, we're short this year. We need your help financially to stay going. And without your support, wow, this would not, none of this would have happened. <laughs> but we need your help. But I want to invite you. Would you like to partner with the body of Christ in Balale and take them to the next level so they understand what it means to be a mission force? You have something you can teach them. And everyone that goes down there, they come back and said, you know, Terry, I came down here to teach them something, but I think I got something. Why? Because we're one. We're a body. They'll show you parts of God that you never saw. Because you know what? God's so big. Can you imagine? I'm not trying to compare God to an elephant. But could you imagine if there was an elephant in the room right here in the middle? Everybody over here would try to describe. I say, describe the elephant to us. And you would say stuff. And maybe the elephant had a purple dot on its right hip, on its left hip. You say, he has a purple dot on him. And everybody over here saying, no, I see the same elephant. There's no dot. You see what I'm saying? We're arguing about the wrong thing. We're only seeing a portion of the great. And God is a little bit bigger than the elephant. God is so big, it takes all of us to get the perspective. We can't see. We're seeing like this. If you want a bigger image of God, go. Because it says that in the Great Commission. Go, and lo, I am with you. You'll see things about God you never thought. (laughs) Amen. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this time to share. And, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just help us all to keep our hearts soft. And we would not allow the world to come in and harden us, but we would say soft. And we would come together as your body that the world may know and see in demonstration your love and your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.